Helo a chroeso i bodlediad yr Academy Genedlaethol ar gyfer arweinyddiaeth a ddysgol yng Nghymru. Podlediad sy'n rhannu materion ac arferion arweinyddiaeth allweddol ar draws y sector addysg yma yng Nghymru ac yn rhyngwladol. Hello and welcome to the podcast from the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Wales, a podcast that shares key leadership issues and practices across the education sector here in Wales and internationally. Morning and a warm welcome to this first podcast in the series of three, in which we'll be discussing in some detail the latest release in the Leadership Academy's Insight series, a report entitled More Than a Sticking Plaster, written by Dr. Alice Davis from the Inherent Bevin University Health Board. The report builds on the Academy's own survey of school leaders in 2021 and seeks both to understand the demands placed on school leaders and to identify the resources needed to create sustainable leadership in Welsh education today. If you haven't seen the report already, already, you can, of course, find it on our website uh, and I recommend it to you. In this, the first episode of our three-part series then, we will be looking uh, at the context around this report, the rationale for its commissioning, and what we hope will follow it. And to help me, I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Ali Davis, Tegwin Ellis, and Mark Powell. Perhaps you could just begin by introducing yourselves and letting our listeners know what you do when you're not recording podcasts with me. Hi, Ian, I'm Alice Davis, consultant clinical psychologist um, from Employee Wellbeing, and I've had the pleasure of um, exploring this issue and kind of putting together this insight piece under leadership of Dr. Adrian Neal and Dr. Ben Waits. I'm in an hour in Bevan University Health Board and my day job is working with young people in mental health. And I'm the Chief Executive of the National Academy for Educational Leadership and I've been in post uh, since April 2020. So just at the start of the pandemic um, when I took over in this role. And since then, I've been working with leaders uh, across across Wales and internationally, um, supporting uh, leadership development and uh, enabling uh, capacity and a coherence of professional learning across the system here in Wales. Uh, my name is Mark Powell. I'm the head teacher of Woodchurch High School in uh, Cardiff. Um, it's my uh, third headship. Uh, I've been a head teacher, secondary head teacher now for 10 years. And um, yeah, in two of the four years that I've been in Richard have been COVID years. So it's been an interesting experience. And I'm Ian Gerrard, head teacher of Uskalaba Conway here in Conway and an associate of the Leadership Academy. As this is the first of our series, can I begin just by congratulating you, Ali, on the publication of this report. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it and found it very thought provoking in the context of my own role here in school and of course, um, my wider role with the Leadership Academy. Thanks, Ian. That's really great to hear. And I think, um, you know, the work that uh, Ben Awaits and Adrian Neal and myself have done here um, really was with the intention of speaking um, to the heart of enhancing the experience of well-being for senior leaders. That's a kind of particular passion of ours. And I'm, I'm pleased that this report does represent senior leaders' experiences, and they were absolutely at the heart of it. Okay, so I'm going to um, dive in um, with uh, with some questions. Uh, so perhaps we could just start with um, uh, a, a very simple uh, introduction as to why um, we have commissioned this report, uh, you know, and why we're getting involved in this area of work. So when I took on my role um, as uh, chief executive um, of the Leadership Academy, I was very 
concerned uh, around what was being done and there was there was nothing at national level that prioritized uh, well-being for, for educational leaders and um, and and that's why um, as part of our corporate plan we ensured that it was a priority um, that it was the vision within our corporate plan to ensure that uh, the well-being of educational leaders was uh, prioritized and systematically supported and, um, and this is why we then commissioned the survey um, early uh, into the pandemic, um, asking leaders uh, across the system to inform us um, of their well-being, of those factors that affected their well-being, um, both negatively um, and positively. You know, what, what are the things that impact um, on their well-being in a negative way, but also in what ways um, were their well-being affected um, in, a, in a positive way. So those findings were also looked at um, in uh, alongside some data that we'd asked EWC. Um, we commissioned EWC actually way back in 2017 um, uh, around um, th their views, um, seeking their views from, from their members around uh, the, the recruitment and retention of the role. And um, I think alarmingly, um, that data um, that they shared with us, um, they, had, they had information around head teachers that were new to post in 2012, nearly half of them had left the headship post within five years. And you know, that in itself um, means that head teachers that, that are, that are um, recruited into the role are not being retained. So there, there was lots, lots of thinking from um, the EWC data, there was lots of thinking from our own survey. And, and again, I think, you know, if you look at the results of the survey, where it says that 75% of our head teachers were saying that workload had the greatest impact um, on their um, on their well-being, was this was not related. This was this survey was very early in the in the COVID situation and the pandemic situation. No, there wasn't one question that actually referred to the pandemic. This was all looking retrospectively back at their their workload and their role as head teachers. And I think that was alarming then. And no doubt that if we carried out that survey uh, today, um, that, that workload would still be there because of the way uh, the pandemic um, has, has led to our, our leaders having um, an enormous amount of guidance um, sent to them. I mean, on, on, a, on a daily occurrence and then having to carry out that managerial role um, that we know um, has such an impact on, on our school leaders and leaders beyond uh, schools as well, being able to do their, their, their role as leading um, ed education. So that, that's a little bit of the background um, there, um, Ian, really on where it started. It started, um, you know, way back before the, the pandemic, but no doubt, um, you know, the, the, um, the information that is available um, and that we are aware of is that this, is, this well-being is being impacted um, now. Um, and it's not, this is not new because of the pandemic either. This is something um, that was in place um, beforehand. So as an organisation, it's our duty um, our moral purpose to ensure that we prioritize our leaders' well-being 
we, we accept and acknowledge that pupil um, learner well-being is a priority as as is staff but we want to make sure that the leaders putting all of that in place also um, has a has a, uh, a priority and as I said is systematically supported um, beyond beyond these COVID years. Yeah well, thanks Tegwena and having been um, you know very closely involved in um, the survey of, of school leaders back in in 2021 myself you know one of the things that came from um, a number of my colleagues locally who, who were kind enough to to respond to that survey was you know that we're really happy to fill that in um, but that's all very well you know what what happens next you know what's going to happen to this information and and certainly having having read through um, you know your report Ali you know this really this this takes things a step further doesn't it it, it is um, a response and a development um, of that that survey and the information we got from that um, to start to, uh, to to influence and impact um, on the wider system and on policy to to impact uh, to affect the change so um, so thank you. That's really interesting um, background and, and motivation there, Tegwen. I should add that um, as part of the, the uh, recommendations then from the survey, we asked leaders what did they think that the um, National Academy for Education Leadership could do to support them. And there were a number of recommendations and proposals that, that we took forward. Um, one of those um, was to actually set up um, a digital platform which allowed leaders from Wales to come together to discuss their own well-being. Our head-to-head -head, uh, for well-being in, in, in schools was, was very successful, especially during those lockdown periods when head teachers were feeling extremely isolated. It's, it's, it's quite a lonely role in normal circumstances, but, um, but during the, the, the COVID pandemic, uh, situation um, this this allowed leaders um, from across Wales um, to come together and, and, and to talk um, and another outcome of that was um, for us to look at the uh, the national policy to consider well, what was actually in existence and I think that was when we realized there wasn't anything at a national level around the well-being for leaders so we um, we we uh, established a working group which included um, representatives from the educational sector, so included associates, um, head teachers, um, it included middle tier members, we had representation from Estin, from, uh, from the regions, from EWC, we also had um, uh, academics, uh, Professor Mick Waters um, was, was in that group as well. And also, and very importantly, we did include um, Dr. Ali Davis um, and uh, colleagues from the health sector. And it was when we started listening to um, Ali and her colleagues that we realized um, that there was some really excellent work going on in the health sector that we needed to be aware of and consider more widely whether this was um, an aspect um, of, uh, of, of work that we could um, look into and um, consider more widely whether this was purposeful for the education sector. And this is where we started discussing compassionate leadership. And of course, um, that then enabled us to have those conversations um, around whether compassionate leadership was something that we could incorporate um, into educational leaders, uh, in, into the educational leaders role. So that's, that's where we commissioned Ali to write the paper. In terms of the kind of wider context, 
the um, statistics are quite stark, aren't they? That in 2016, between 18 and 40 percent of head teacher posts were completely unfilled. It feels kind of um, important to say that in organisations, when you get a kind of um, key moment where an, an issue is highlighted, that often there will have been so much that would have gone before to set that context and the kind of social and political context of that is, is really key. Um, that kind of sense of um, need for increased scrutiny following slightly lower PISA scores in 2009 and um, following a kind of real push on school improvement after devolution feels like it sets such a context of um, an education system which is keen to do as well as it possibly can meeting targets but also trying to figure out how to do that in a way that's meaningful and maintain good relationships and kind of healthy steady robust systems um, I guess it's just a kind of link to that that such a complex issue around retention and recruitment as one kind of key trigger moment and um, will inevitably have more than one solution but the well-being of head teachers felt like a really key place to start and certainly one piece of that phenomenon and um, that can kind of ripple more widely. I guess the other thing to say in terms of the, the link perhaps with health is that um, in the NHS there's been lots of critical incidents and you know really serious failings in, in healthcare and many many various reports of various shapes and sizes that have been commissioned to look into what led up to that and you know, the Francis report might be one of them but often the themes are around the culture and the system and the processes in an organisation and certainly that that fitted very much with what seems to be um, senior leaders experiences so although um, psychologists or the health service don't have expertise in delivering education there was something that we um, were able to kind of um, look at through hearing fundamentally the experiences of senior leaders and and the papers very much about their experiences rather than any kind of external expertise. Yeah thank you very much yeah I mean it, it's interesting isn't it it's something that struck me both um, reading the report and in its um, development as well um, you know it is as an educational leader you know how, how can uh, you know partnership with the health sector support um, the work support this um, you know development that the Tegwin has, has outlined um, uh, you know, as part of the Leadership Academy's remit, um, and how as well? How do you see that relationship developing between the two sectors? Um, uh, you know, and what impact will it have on on school leadership? I think there really is scope to um, from colleagues in different sectors getting alongside each other and absolutely kind of um, following up. So one of the comments um, in one of the focus groups was around how. Um, police had fed back to heads that they couldn't understand there was no kind of debriefing process for example and certainly as a clinical psychologist clinical supervision is a core part of the profession so I absolutely think um, you know professions can learn things from each other in terms of how systems and structures can build and absolutely the um, at the heart of well-being is how we manage demands, identify demands, how they're understood, how we understand the system is constructed, systems theory, you know, psychological principles, and and the vehicle through which we offer resources to those. And and certainly, I think the report outlines some suggestions for those that can either be um, set up and kind of left within education, or sometimes a role for external um, work in that. And, and and again, that was something that came from one of the focus groups that people saying it's not that we need to learn more about education or about how to do our job it's something different something outside of this sector that that can bring a value going back to the survey you know we had over a thousand respondents to that survey 
and when when we asked um, how they managed their own well-being, um, seventy-five percent of those that answered said they 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 sought they sought their their support from from colleagues, and I think that in itself was was concerning because you know how how much I use the word training, but how much how qualified then that's the word how qualified are school leaders to be supporting each other with with well-being um it's just it's something else on the list hang on a minute now now you're asking us to do this on top of all the other things i'm supposed to be a you know a well-being officer for for everybody in my school as, as well as everything else but when when in that survey when when we asked them around well how do you look after your own well-being it was well we, we you know we, we get support from colleagues but actually identifying the need of what i need to do was not very much wasn't very high on the agenda so if you said well do you attend training days or do you do you go out and, and actively seek support for your own well-being that that was very low i think it was something like 13 14 percent um, so as individuals, our leaders are not prioritizing their own well-being above the well-being of others, which we, we understand that, we understand that. But the link between this and health is around us actively trying to ensure that we recognize that this has to be done differently. And, and we need to, to, to value the role of the head teacher and value their worth and bring that into a different way of looking. This is not an add-on to the head teacher role. This needs to be inclusive and prioritized in a way that allows the head teacher to have that well-being offer for themselves. Become a little bit of a cliche, really, um, of, of, what, of what they tell you in, on an aeroplane just before you take off, which is to sort of get your own oxygen mask before you help other people's offspring match, because otherwise, if you were going under, then other people are going to be going under as well. And I was struck in the um, in the report, which, which I think is excellent, by the way, um, I was struck in the report by some of the comments that come through from uh, uh, colleagues in headship roles, where, they, where they're talking about how how important it is as, as a leader to remain and demonstrate that you're remaining calm when actually there's a lot of worry and concern around you, which actually you're internalizing. And of course, the one of the key elements of leadership is not to demonstrate that, is to demonstrate that because that, that has a, a knock-on effect to the rest of the organization. So that that's 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 one one of the things. I also would have, and I can't remember whether I filled in the questionnaire or not, but I also would have ticked um support from co colleagues and peers, and actually literally two minutes before I came on, on here, I put a little question in the WhatsApp group of the North Cardiff Heads and said, what do you do about this? Because of an issue that was raised, which I know full well in a week or so's time is going to affect my well-being because I'm not getting straight answers. And that's part of, and that's part of the problem. But I think, I, I wouldn't want to underestimate the strength of that because this, I, I find the strength of that to be incredibly powerful. And and also, um, where I kind of slightly kind of disagree with with, with, with uh, the premise there, Pegwin, is that actually speaking as a head, I don't mind doing that. And I don't think my colleagues around me mind doing that. And I think we almost see it as part part, part of the service. We're all part of the same organization in terms of the wider ed education system. I think, though, that in terms of providing an infrastructure for uh, headship 
head teacher well-being, school leaders' well-being as well. I would widen that out a little bit. I think one of the challenges that we face, which may be replicated in the health service, is that is that things are so fragmented here in Wales. So who would I turn to formally for support? Would I turn to the local authority? Would I turn to the consortium? Would I turn to the National Academy for Educational Leadership? Would I turn to the Educational Workforce Council? Which of these organisations is actually fully, entirely, unambiguously invested in, the, in, the, in my well-being and, and the well-being of, of heads? I mean, do, during, during COVID, I think I've mentioned this to you, before during COVID, I did access um, external support for myself, and I found it incredibly helpful. If you ask me now, where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I, I know the name of the person who helped me. I know the, the, the first name of the council on the other end of the phone. I don't know whether I access that through the local authority, through the consortium, through your organisation, because I just ticked the box and said, yeah, I'd be interested in, in doing that. And it was very, very helpful. But I think that somebody, and I think it's probably National Academy of Education Leadership, needs to say, we do this. This is what we do. These are the programs that we provide. This is the support that we provide. The support is 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 preemptive, and I think that's really important because a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of well-being support are after the fact. It's when the hit has already been taken. So you've already got the bruises, and I think that, that kind of preemptive element of support is really really important. And then that that support being there in terms of training, which is minimal for head teachers. Once you're in the job, you're in the job. And apart from occasional drop-ins to seminars, that kind of thing, there's not a huge amount of training other than the stuff you access yourselves. Um, so we've got to be proactive in looking for that, and, and we do that. And then also that wider support around things like you know critical incidents that, that, that Ali mentioned earlier and that I've experienced as a, as a head teacher as well, where you do feel that sometimes that, that there is strong support around you. And certainly I would say that was my experience experienced before but in terms of the long-term supervision then of you know how well is this how well are you now how how, how are you to, to take things forward I'm not sure that that was there because the critical the critical incident support was around the critical incident I think as well the other thing I've put in and I don't know whether this research has been done but I'd be interested to know and um, particularly in the wake of the last couple of years, how many assistant head teachers and deputy head teachers have now decided they aren't going to be heads? And I wonder whether the what what we talked about just now was a retention crisis is going to very quickly be uh, a recruitment catastrophe, because there are lots of people I think of my age at the latter stage of their careers who aren't going to be here forever. And where's the next generation coming from? And I think that we need to be nurturing and supporting that. Uh, and I think also, you know, I'm, I'm, the the idea of, of linking and connecting with the health service, I think, is is a is a is a, is a really positive, uh, positive idea. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Some really interesting thoughts there. And certainly, um, you know, we uh, you know we'll be exploring the experience of leaders in the the second episode of this uh, this podcast series and indeed the recommendations and, and actions that uh, might come out of this report um in the third episode so you know the, these are themes that we revisiting throughout this series um i wonder perhaps just in in response to, to some of your thoughts you know what people's hopes are um in that context you know from this report uh, and responding to the, the feelings of leaders uh, moving forward 
can I just come in there and just pick up a point Mark was making around well-being? I think there's something, um, and I think this is related to what you're asking me, but it just really struck me what, what we're describing when we're talking about um, well-being and people kind of feeling steady in their role is absolutely, um, you know, in health, we're increasingly understanding that resilience isn't a characteristic or a skill or a trait internally, but it's absolutely um, a manifestation of the um, context and the culture that someone sits in. So increasingly, in order to um, identify how to help senior leaders thrive and retain and encourage people to kind of go for these roles, we need to be thinking really carefully about, um, you know, people's a kind of recipe of, of factors. So people's um, sense of safety, participation, feeling valued, treated fairly and um, emotionally intelligent leadership. These are ideas that... Um, NICE talks about having the National Institute for Clinical Excellence talks about having um, a sense of purpose and a contribution to the wider community. And we know that in the education world, absolutely having a sense of mastery and purpose over the work senior leaders do is absolutely key to create motivation. The fact that head teacher roles have such a huge um, exposure to other people in terms of people they are either responsible for, so, um, you know, parents, teachers, children, or accountable to, and so, the, you know, the number of bodies in the middle tier were, were clearly spoken about in, in the focus groups, seems to create a kind of real sense of unpredictability, the multiple accountabilities and the sense of unpredictability of regularly changing policy. They're all kind of backdrop systems, um, politically informed symptoms and um, issues that create this symptom so when we're speaking about well-being and what we kind of offer senior leaders going forward I think it's really important that we think both directly whether someone whether Mark's got access to a WhatsApp group or a particular learning session or a particular opportunity to develop in some way but but equally as important if not you know the first part is to really look at the system that shapes all the demands themselves so actually addressing well-being might might not in some areas look very different for the on the ground role itself it might be much further upstream fantastic thank you did you want to come in there Tegwin? yeah would well, just just to say really it's it's one thing isn't it having lots of ideas it, it's a it's around how we pull all of that together and and have a, a strategy and i think going back to our um our working group um, is that we're, we are now in a position to reconvene that working group, but but an outcome of that of that working group was um, uh, a set of strategic proposals that were pulled together into a paper called a headset paper. Now this was an internal paper, and we haven't published this, and maybe we should. Um, but um, it was an internal paper that we used to um, inform Welsh Government of our intentions. Um, this has been accepted by Jeremy Miles, the Minister for Education and, and Welsh Language, um, and supported. Um, and now wellbeing is in our remit letter. So we are in a position to be able to lead on this. And you know, as, as Mark said, there, there are a number of people in that middle tier where we um, offer um, certain um, uh, aspects of support for, for well-being um, but, but actually we are putting ourselves forward to say we can we can be the organization to prioritize this and make it make it um, our responsibility but what I wanted to say within that headset paper and um, aligned to the set of proposals is that we've identified three areas which are policy uh, provision and principles 
And under that policy uh, pillar is the idea that um, this has to be a national approach. This has to be accepted and at national level um, in order to ensure that the the well-being crisis. And you know, Mark said himself. You know, we talk about the re recruitment uh, being an issue, but the retention also is is becoming um, uh, an even greater issue. Keeping those in 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 the um, in the role, um, whether they be head teachers or senior leaders, and, and and Mark is right. This is not just about our head teachers. This is about those that have responsibility um, for leading within the organisation, um, and and that again extends beyond schools uh, as well. But those three pillars: the policy, the provision pillar, um, is is where we're probably at at the moment. You know, is looking at um, the existing provision um, that. That can support well-being. Auditing that, um, we, we probably um, are, are not in a position to do that ourselves, that we, we need to uh, procure uh, somebody, commission that work on our behalf, because this needs to be done. We we don't know. Again, I'm going back to something that Mark just said, you know, the access provision, but he, he can't remember now where, it, where that came from. And, and the thing is, there is so much stuff out there. How do our leaders know whether it's quality or not, and whether they should be actually putting their time into that or even paying for it when they don't know it's any good? So there's a quality assurance role um, to be played uh, as well around ensuring that our leaders know what, what is good and what, what isn't. And again, you know, we, we can look at training for education, but this is training for well-being and is in a different um, arena uh, completely. So there, there's a possibility for us as an organisation to commission um, some work that is purposeful um, for, for that uh, area of, of education, which actually considers um, the, the the ways of working and the uh, the factors those factors that we highlighted you know back in 2020 um, what are the things that are affecting them and and look at those and and bring that into a a, a purpose written uh, piece of um, compassionate leadership provision that actually supports and, it, and it's it's more than training isn't it it's more than training it has to actually include ways of working um, as well it has to be a comprehensive offer to support our leaders uh, our leaders well-being and of course the third pillar there around the principles is ensuring that this um that this strategy or this plan that we that we that we need um is in place but incorporates um and embeds the principles of compassionate leadership that, um, that you mentioned, you know, in, in the paper alley, um, and 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 are more widely explored in the health sector as well. So, it, it's just really in response to to some of the things that both Ali and Mark have said about well, well, what next? You know, we know we know the reasons why we we know why we need this, and and no doubt that if EWC um, and Hayden Llewellyn, the, the chief exec of, of the education workforce was on this call in this podcast now, he'd be able to tell us what the data was looking like um, for those head teachers, senior leaders, acting in positions of acting, whether they take up those positions or not, and those that are leaving, because now is crunch time, isn't it? Because it was already an issue before the pandemic, these last two years have been grueling um, for, 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 our, for our leaders. And, and I, I, you know, I have no doubt the data um, will have plummeted 
um, I say plummeted, it could actually have gone the other way, it depends on how you're looking at it, you know, whether we're losing them or whether the actual, the amount that are actually leaving. Um, but I think there will be a, a, a you know, a, a change in the data um, from, from what it is. So something has to happen, something has to be done. Um, and um, and we're in a position to, to lead on this. I, I also feel that, um, that when we're having these discussions and these conversations and these plans around how we support well-being, I think that um, there may be a job of work to do, and perhaps it's already been done, I've missed it, around how we define the terms to which we are referring. Um, you know, for, for example, throughout Ali's report, there's lots of references to workload, and obviously that's the thing, isn't it? My, I suppose the question mark in my mind is, what are we talking about there? Are we talking about the quantity of work, the sheer amount of work? Um, because for me, that's not the thing. Which is not to say it's 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 a job that doesn't take up a huge amount of time. It does, but then I knew that when I applied for it. It's not. It's for me. It's the type of work, and the breadth of the type of work, in the sense that you know what we what we now with quarter eleven in the morning, and um, already this morning I've had to make decisions to do with um, curricula, to do with pedagogy, to do with human resources to do with health and safety, to do with traffic management around the site, to do with um, transgender equality issues. So that's quarter 11 this morning. And that's, 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 you know, that's less than three hours work. And, you know, my, my degree is English literature and I could talk for hours about Shakespeare and poetry and novels. I've had to pick up a lot of this along the way. Um, and, and of course, there are, there are kind of uh, structures of support around me. I pick up the phone, send me a local authority and say, well, what should I do about this? And very often I'll get a clear answer and clear guidance, but not all the time. And I think that's another element that needs exploring, that sometimes the answer that comes back is, well, it's up to you. We would, you can either do this or you could do this, or we would recommend this, but it's your call. And I think then going back, and that takes me back then to something that Tegman touched upon that does come through in the report, uh, this, this idea of the loneliness of leadership, which, to, to, to be frank, I, I, I don't feel, I'm speaking personally, I, I don't feel that loneliness because I'm surrounded by a strong team of colleagues. I've got a strong team of board of governors around me. Um, I think I've got a very supportive local authority that I work within. I don't feel that until that moment, and they don't come around all that often, where, where you've, you've, you're fully exposed because it's only you making the call. There's, there's no real consensus around you. And then people turn to you and say, right, it's up to you now, you're, you're, you're the head. And the guidance you've had is you could do this, you could do that, or you could do, do the other. And you're making a call about a field in which you have only a little bit more knowledge than the people around you because you haven't got the training or the expertise or the qualifications in that field. So what I would say to that around that then is we can't, I don't think we can take much of that away. I don't think we can take much of the workload in terms of quantity away. What I think that there's a job of work that could be done is how the pe people like myself, like, 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 like yourself, yourself, Ian, I don't know if you feel this way, how we gain a kind of mental and emotional perspective around that, the, the, those complicating factors. And I think that, for me, would go to the heart of the support that would you know, get me through a difficult week that sense of, of, of perspective and, and how you then put that into perspective alongside your, 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 your life outside work, you know, the, the, the work-life balance idea. And I think that that's, the, I think that's the thing that we need to drill, drill down into 
Because I think that if we just talk about workload, it sounds as if, it can sound as if we're complaining about being busy and we're not as much deeper and much more complex than that and much more nuanced. Thanks, Mark. Yes, Ali, did you want to come in on that? I would absolutely agree with that, Mark. It might just kind of beautifully articulated many of those points and complex is one of my favourite words, as people will know me, people that know me say. The, um, I think there it really speaks to the idea that, you know, head teachers and senior leaders aren't expecting jobs to not have huge amounts of responsibility or not have huge amounts of workload. But, um, you know, in the in those areas you've just spoken about, Mark, you could have clear access to information, you could have a real understanding from the people that are giving more tasks what the priorities are so you you don't have to make a decision on that you could have um that i mean there are so many things that could be added to that without necessarily re removing uh, a job so when you've got um a kind of overwhelming sense of workload you can either reduce that or you can put other factors around and that's a really key idea around are we looking at reducing the demands or are we looking at increasing the resources Brilliant. Okay, no, thanks very much indeed for, for that, Ali. And and thank you very much to uh, all of you for joining me this morning. And it's been really interesting um, just, just, just kicking around some ideas on the background of this report and, and also our, our hopes for seeing the work develop uh, moving forward. Um, I, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us and I look forward to uh, welcoming you back um, to the second in our series when we'll talk about the experience um, of leaders. Thanks very much indeed. Gobeithion eich bod wedi mwyn hair bennod hon o bodlediad yr Academy Arwynyddiaeth. Tan ysgrifiwch ar Spotify, podlediadau Apple neu Google a pheidiwch byth â cholli penod. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Academy podcast. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode.